Hey, I've just got the privilege right now of introducing our guest preacher for today. It's Pastor Ingrid Metzmeyer. Now, many, many of you will know Ingrid. She was with us for, I think it was eight years, and uh, she really helped us grow our student ministry. She really came in and brought her gifts and her weight into the church through those years. And she's got a great teaching gift. And so I approached Ingrid and said, look, we're doing this series of truth bombs and I've asked her to give us a message and it's going to be a great one. So wherever you are, stand up and give a great big welcome, an honouring welcome to Pastor Ingrid Metzmeyer. Well, hello, Equippers Essex, and greetings to you from Equippers Flensburg. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Ingrid Metzmeyer. And uh, I was a very uh, blessed member of the congregation in uh, Colchester uh, for almost eight years. And uh, then God called me to come here to Germany and to continue my ministry here. And I am a part of Equippers Flensburg. So I bring you greetings from the leadership here and my apologies to all of my wonderful friends whom I wanted to uh, spend time with and catch up with and give hugs to. Um, obviously, uh, you understand that COVID has prevented me from coming, but I'm so grateful to you, Pastor Barry, for um, inviting me to bring a message this morning and to contribute to this uh, wonderful series that you are teaching on. Um, and today I have been asked to talk about the blood. Wow half an hour to talk about the blood of Jesus. <laughs> For those of you who know me, that's quite a tall order. <laughs> but I am going to endeavor to, um, to talk about one aspect of the revelation of the blood of Jesus, which I hope will uh, really minister to you, both uh, those who are, are believers in Jesus and those of you who are maybe um, visiting this morning for the first time and you've never heard anything about this. So I hope that you are blessed and that revelation comes to you um, as I talk or and teach about this subject. So I'm going to get right into it. By reading, of course, scripture, I start off with the word, and I've got a lot of scriptures today, as those of you who know me um, will understand. So I hope you have pens ready to take some notes as we go through this. I'm starting off reading from Hebrews 12, verses 23 through 24. For you, you have come to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. You know, we have just, for those of you who keep track of these things, we have just come out of uh, celebrating the Jewish New Year. And uh, the holiest day of the year in Judaism is Yom Kippur, otherwise known as the Day of Atonement. On that day, uh, the, the high priest will, for the one time a year that they are able to do this, will go into the Holy of Holies in the temple and will uh, take the blood of a sacrificed lamb and sprinkle it on the altar to atone for the sins of the nation of Israel. 
this was what this was talking about, the sprinkling of blood. And here it is saying that Jesus is a mediator of a new covenant, that you and I are part of a new covenant which was ratified, which was stamped with the approval of the blood of Jesus. God had had, uh, determined and decided that the only way to atone for the sins of the Jewish people, the sins of the world, was through the shedding of blood. It says in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, for the life of a creature is in its blood and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Because as the writer of Hebrews says, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness. So here we have the stage set. God is saying that sin can only be atoned for through the shedding of blood. That life abides in the blood. You know, if you were to have a car accident, a serious car accident, and you've been seriously injured, uh, and you're bleeding profusely, the ambulance comes and the first thing that the paramedics do is try to stop the bleeding. They know that if you lose too much blood, you'll die. So life and blood go hand in hand. That life is in the blood and blood is required in order to pay the penalty that is caused through sin. This is what God was talking about when he made this statement. When he said, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness. Most of you watching this morning, you're Christians. You understand when I when we talk about blood, when we talk about um, the shedding of blood, the symbolism of it. You think about communion, how we take the bread and we take uh, the juice. And one symbolizes the body of, of Christ and the other the blood of Christ. And, and we have this ceremony where we take these elements and they represent the body and the blood. Uh, to to us as Christians, that seems uh, that's a, a, a normal, recognizable um, system that we have. But to those who come in from the outside, to those perhaps who aren't familiar with Christianity, who haven't been into church before, it would seem a very strange, uh, maybe disgusting, even thing to be. Oh, we're eating the body of God, Jesus, and we're drinking the blood of a person. This is gross. This is awful. But we understand what the symbolism is. We understand what blood represents from Jesus. The only thing that was valuable enough to ratify the penalty of sin was blood. It had to be the most precious thing that could be offered because blood represented life. And so when blood was given, a life was taken. And that was the only thing valuable enough to cover the sin. And that's why God required it. Blood is precious for that reason. The only thing valuable enough. So how then do we get from the sacrificing of animals as they did in the Old Testament to where we are today as believers because of course we don't sacrifice animals anymore but we talk about the blood that was shed by Jesus and and that that's the blood that atones for our sin so how do we make that leap from one to the other well there in you know there lies the rub because the blood of animals was only ever intended as a temporary fix for man 
You know, it says, um, the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 10 says, even with its steady stream of sacrifices that were offered year after year, there still was nothing that could make our hearts perfect before God. For what power can the blood of bulls and goats have to remove our sin? There was the problem. Sin was the problem. And even though an animal died, even though God made a way for man to temporarily walk in forgiveness of sin, it was an animal. And the blood of an animal couldn't possibly pay the price that would be necessary to atone for the sins of mankind. That's what God had to deal with. He had to deal with the sin issue in man. Paul says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We want to be reconciled. God wants us to be reconciled to himself. He wants us to be restored to relationship with him. And that's what we want. You know, as you get older, <clears throat> when you're young, you might not think about these things. But as you get older, you begin to think about life and, and where you're going to go when you die. You need to have that confidence to know that when you die, you are going to be going somewhere good. You are going to be joining the Father, reconciled to the Father. And that can only be done through the blood of a perfect sacrifice. So here is God. He's our Father. He created us. We are His creation, His children. He made us. He loves us with a passionate love. But love wasn't enough. I know some people, they hear that and they just, Ingrid, what are you saying? Auntie, what are you saying? Love wasn't enough? What are you talking about? Um, God is love. Faith, hope, and love remain. But the greatest of these is love. How could you be saying that love wasn't enough? What do you mean when you say that? We see throughout the Old Testament, time after time, how man makes efforts through his own uh, endeavors to meet uh, the requirements of holiness, the requirements of obedience. You know, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, the law. Uh, he entered into covenant with Israel and he said, okay, if you keep these laws, then, then I will protect you and provide for you and make sure that, uh, that you are safe and prosperous. But man, no matter how much he tried, was never able to live the type of holy life that was required in order to be able to exist in the presence of God. It's not that God uh, didn't love us enough in order to want us to be reconciled to him. It's that because God is holy, it is literally physically impossible for any type of sin to exist in his presence. It would evaporate. It would, it would explode, be, be self-destructive. -destruct it would disappear. It would not be able to exist in the same space as God because he is perfect holiness. It was his protectiveness that drove men, Adam and Eve, out of the garden. Because if they were entering into sin, they could not abide in his presence. They would have been instantly and immediately destroyed because sin 
would not have been able to exist in the same space with God. So it was his mercy, his love for them that drove them out. So here we have this, this, this tension between God's love for man and yet the inability of man to meet the standard that God has set for us. And God has, has instituted this process in the Old Testament where he would temporarily forgive them through the shedding of the blood of animals, where they would present this blood uh, in the temples. The priests would bring the sacrifice and make it an offering before God, and he would accept it, and they would be forgiven and be able to continue their lives. But it was only a temporary fix because it was an imperfect offering. No animal could ever take the place of the perfect offering that would be required to cover sin and be restored to right fellowship and relationship with God. So love was not enough. Because if God's love was enough, Jesus would never have had to die on the cross. Love would simply have forgiven. But David, the psalmist, writes in Psalm 89, verse 14, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. Not love. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. So here we have this loving God, this father who wants his children to be restored to himself. Love is is pulsing within his heart to be restored, to bring his children back to himself. But righteousness and justice demand that a price be paid for sin. So what can God do in a situation like that? I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 15. I'm going to read an odd section of scripture to you that maybe you're not familiar with. Uh, Chapter 15, starting in verse 7. Then the Lord told him, he's speaking to Abram. So Abram has been told that he is going to um, have a son. And through this son, God is going to create a nation, uh, the Jewish people, and that God is going to bless them. And Abram is, is old and he's questioning God and he's asking God to, to um, give him some sort of sign that what he says is going to come to pass. And the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? And the Lord told him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And so Abram presented all these to him and killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep and a terrifying darkness came down over him. And then the Lord said to Abram, You can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end they will come away with great wealth. 
As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land, for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. After the sun went down and darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking firepot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day. And I'll end there. The Lord made a covenant with Abram that day. They didn't make a covenant with each other. That's the curious thing about what happened. For those of you who have studied the Old Testament or are familiar with this practice, it even uh, still happens today in some cultures, the cutting of a covenant. And this is where two people would come into agreement with one another. They would get an animal of some kind, uh, they would kill it, and then they would cut it in half. And as uh, Abram demonstrated here, the, the uh, items, the, the animal that had been cut in half would be laid down on the ground, uh, uh, each piece opposite the other, so that an aisle was formed between them. And then each party who was uh, entering into this covenant would walk between the pieces where the blood was now seeping out into the ground. And as they walked through, they would declare with their mouth what they were um, make, what promise they were making in this covenant, what commitment that they were making. And as we read in that section of scripture, God caused Abram to fall into a deep sleep. And then he spoke to him and told him, what he was going to give him in promise, in covenant. God took the full responsibility of that covenant upon himself. He caused Abram to sleep so he would not even be able to try to enter into covenant because God knew that this covenant required a perfect covenant keeper. And as, as good a man as Abram was, God knew he wouldn't be capable of fulfilling the righteous requirement of this covenant. He said to him that the land was going to be given to him and to his descendants. That's another interesting thing. In the Bible, the land, the promised land, the land that Israel is in today, has always been representative of the presence of God. That's why it was called the, the promised land. It was, it was a reflection of heaven on earth where the presence of God would be experienced. This promise was given to Abraham and his descendants. And it wasn't, that doesn't just refer to the Jewish people because we know that the land of Israel uh, was just a forerunner for the whole body of Christ that the Israeli people were the forerunners of what was coming when Jesus was going to come. Remember, when God first called Abram, he said that all of the nations would be blessed through his descendants. And Paul says in Galatians 3.29, if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So it wasn't just to the Jewish people, to the, the, the Israeli nation that God was speaking. He was speaking to the church which would be birthed through the descendants of Abram. And he was saying to them, I have entered into covenant and I'm going to make a way so that you can know my presence here on earth. 
I'm the one making the covenant with you and I will bring it to pass. So in that moment, when God made covenant with Abram, he, God, took full responsibility for meeting the demands of righteousness and justice. He knew what would be coming in the future. He knew the impossibility of man to meet the demand of righteousness and justice. He also knew that love would respond. Love in the form of Jesus. Jesus, for the love that was set before him, endured the cross. What was, what was that which was set before him? The joy that was set before him. Love had responded. You and I, that was the joy. He saw heaven populated with all the sons and daughters who had been incapable of getting into heaven, of being forgiven, of, of receiving that atonement through their own works, their own efforts, their own process. For the joy of you coming into the kingdom with him, Jesus was willing to endure that cross. He was willing to be the atoning sacrifice. 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19. You know God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life that you inherited from your ancestors. It was not with gold or silver, which lose their value, but it was with the precious blood of Christ, the spotless Lamb of God. He was the sacrifice. He was the payment, the ransom. His blood was what made it possible for you to be reconciled to God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's from Romans 6 and verse 23. Jesus made it possible through the shedding of his blood for you to be reconciled to God. It's really important for us as the church never to take for granted what was done at the cross. Yes, God loves us. Yes, we are precious to him and we are his beloved children. But we have to remember that love would not have been enough had it not chosen to become flesh and dwell among us and meet the demand of righteousness and justice. We as the body of Christ always need to keep that in front of our eyes. Have hearts that are pure. Um, you know, Jesus said that people would know we were his disciples by our love. That means the yielding of ourselves to the way that he lived life. And Paul says that we were bought with a price. Therefore, we need to honor God with our lives, with our bodies. You were bought with the most costly price of all, the blood of Jesus, the very Son of God. 
For those of you maybe this morning who are listening and, and you don't know this Jesus, you um, have never uh, accepted him as your Lord and Savior, this is all very new to you. This is the first time that you've even heard that he was willing to lay down his life for you. There's this wonderful scripture in 1 John 1, verses 8 and 9. If we claim that we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves. That's the first thing that we need to do. Christians need to do it too. We need to search our own hearts regularly and see, is there something in me? Is there an attitude? Is there a behavior? Is a way of life? Is there anything in me that is sinful or rebellious or disobedient to the plans and purposes of God? If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what the blood of Jesus does for us. And this morning, as we talked about the blood, I hope that this is what you take away. Love always wins in the end, but it wins because someone Jesus was willing to shed his blood to pay the cost that righteousness and justice demands. I hope that that drives and motivates you forward in your own Christian walk, that you would live a life that is worthy of the sacrifice that was made for you in the blood of Jesus. Bless you and thank you so much for inviting me to join you today. Hey, how good was that? Thank you so much, Pastor Ingrid. You're such a blessing to us. But I wonder if anyone's moved today. If anyone's moved to make a decision for Jesus, is today the day where you say, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want the fullness that you bring. I want the hope that you bring. I want the healing that you bring. I want the security that you bring. Is today the day you pray? Well, if it is, I want to lead you in that prayer. So let's pray. Father God, just thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you love me just the way I am, but you love me too much to leave me the way I am. So I invite you into my heart right now and say, lead me forward. I don't know everything. I don't understand it all, but there's a shout in my heart that says, Jesus, I need you and I invite you in. Forgive me the things that have separated us and lead me forward from this day. And all God's people said, Amen. Hey, if that was you today, give us a shout out. Get in touch with us. We'd love to walk with you on your journey in faith and just partner with you in that. It's good to do this life together. If you said yes to Jesus today, we are celebrating with you. We would love to pray with you and send you a Bible and some resources to get you started on your faith journey. Please go to equippers.co.uk forward slash I said yes or follow the link in the chat box so we can get in touch.